Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you have a friend or family member that has a lot of difficulties with the Catholic faith? They just find some things just really hard to believe. They've got a lot of questions. Maybe it's about doctrine. Maybe they have questions about Mary or purgatory or confession. And oftentimes, a lot of people today have questions about moral issues. Do you have friends or family members that wonder, why does the church teach this on uh, these moral issues here? I, I hear a lot of questions, especially around sexuality. You know, people will say things like, you know, what's the big deal? We love each other. We're married. We just don't feel like we can have another child right now. So contraception, what's wrong with artificial birth control? Uh, or maybe it's the other end. They, they really want to have a child. We've been longing to have a child. We've been trying and trying and trying. It's been so hard. Surely God wants us to have a child. So what's wrong with in vitro fertilization? I hear a lot of questions, especially today, about homosexuality. So many questions around that. You know, people saying things like, you know, I wouldn't live like that, but if they want to live that way and they really love each other, they should express their love however they want. They should be able to have marriage, you know, however they want. You know, why does the Catholic Church have to say that homosexual acts are wrong and people have questions about this? Sometimes the biggest questions aren't about doctrine or moral teaching. It's just questions that come up in our own life and our own walk with God. It's personal. Or maybe things happen, we experience some suffering, our world turns upside down, and we're wondering, why is this happening? Where is God? Is God really here in the midst of this? Does God really have a plan for my life? I don't feel close to God. Where is God? Maybe you've wondered about some of these things. Maybe you've had questions about a certain teaching of the Catholic Church. Maybe you've gone through a certain period of darkness and wondered is God still there? Is this all real? I want to assure you that there's a very big difference between having questions and actually doubting. There's a really big difference between having difficulties and having doubts. And that's what I want to talk about in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree. It's been a crazy, crazy week here. Uh, a number of things happened. So I was just out on the soccer fields this weekend with uh, two of my boys, had different soccer games. It was like 60-some degrees, really warm, beautiful outside. And then the next day, we're in a day or two actually now, we've been hit with a big snowstorm. A couple inches of snow, it's gotten down to single digits overnight. And that's just crazy. Um, I've also had some crazy visits to, to Asia. I've been to Asia and back, at least virtually. <laughs> uh, as you know, I've been doing these little online virtual groups and I woke up last week uh, one morning and I did a whole marriage prep session for a large group of people in the diocese in Singapore. And that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of great conversation about how does one maintain maintain the marriage relationship, cultivating it, deepening the friendship through difficulties and many years and challenges that come up in marriage. So it was a really, really fun conversation. So that was in the morning, early in the morning. And then later that same day in the evening, I was in the Philippines, again, virtually here, um, with the Empower Philippines program. We were all talking about vibrant faith in a secular age. So big shout out to all of you in the Singapore and the Philippines. And also, I don't want to forget, shout out to all the college students at Northern Arizona University at the Newman Center there. We just finished our three-part mini course on Catholic worldview. Uh, crazy week here, but I want to turn our attention now to this topic of difficulties versus doubts. What's the difference? And here I think about 
one great hero of mine, and that's St. John Henry Newman. St. John Henry Newman, you may recall, was uh, one of the most famous converts to Catholicism, you know, maybe of all time, one of them, certainly, and, and certainly in his, in his lifetime. Uh, St. John Henry Newman was an Anglican and a leading intellectual in England in the 1800s, and then he eventually, through his reading of the Church Fathers, came to see the truth of the Catholic faith and the need for uh, an ecclesial authority, a need for the papacy. But just because he became convinced of the Catholic Church didn't mean he didn't have questions about certain beliefs, certain practices, and that was something he continued to pursue, was a deeper understanding of those areas that he still had questions about. And he famously is quoted as saying this. He said, you know, 10,000 difficulties do not add up to a single doubt. 10,000 difficulties don't add up to a single doubt. So I want to assure you, you know, the idea of having questions is actually good. It's very healthy. God wants us to use our mind. He wants us to apply our mind to understand the mysteries of faith. We don't just accept things blindly. No, no, God gave us an elect, and he wants us to apply that intellect to the mysteries. So for example, the mystery of the Trinity is not as if I go, oh, three persons, one God, I get it. No, no. <laughs> if, if someone says that, 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 that means they really don't understand the, the, the mystery of the Trinity. We're going to spend all eternity understanding the mystery of who God is, right? I mean, it takes my mind a long time to figure out things like how to fix things in the house, mechanics on my car, uh, you know? And, and if it takes me a long time to do simple things like that, I mean, think about God. God is infinite, <laughs> and I'm going to spend all eternity trying to understand and know and love him more and more and more. So having questions is a really good thing. If you ever find yourself having questions when you're going through struggles in your life, personal struggles, you're wondering, where is God? St. John the Baptist had those kinds of questions. Think about that. St. John the Baptist, he was the one chosen to prepare the way for the Lord. He's starting this big movement, calling Israel to repent. He's baptizing at the Jordan River. He even baptized Jesus there at the Jordan. And yet something happened in John the Baptist's life and it caused great suffering for him. He was arrested by King Herod and then thrown into prison. And he goes through this darkness and he's wondering, what's happening? What happened to my, my life, my, my, my mission? the ministry I had, and was it all for naught? And, and he starts to wonder, you know, what, was, was my work really pointing to the right Messiah? I think it was Jesus. So, but, but he sends some of his disciples to go ask Jesus, are you the one we've been waiting for? Are you the one? Or should we look for another? John the Baptist had questions. It's okay to have questions. It's understandable to have questions but he turned those questions to Jesus. He didn't begin to reject Jesus. He didn't begin to reject Jesus and say, I don't believe in you anymore. That's not what he did. He asked Jesus a question. I think about the difference between Mary and Zechariah. Do you remember in Luke chapter one, the angel Gabriel appears not just to Mary, but to this priest named Zechariah. Zechariah is the husband of Elizabeth. He's the one that will become the father of St. John the Baptist. And both of them get a message from the angel. Both of them are startled. Both of them uh, are told they're going to have this miraculous child. 
Uh, Mary's going to conceive a child as a virgin. Zechariah's uh, wife, Elizabeth, is going to conceive a child in her own age. They've been barren all these years, longing for a child, and they've never been able to have one. And the angel comes and says, guess what, Zechariah? Even here in your old age, you are finally going to have a child. Great news for you, Zechariah. And what does Zechariah do? He says, how can this be? I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And then Zechariah gets punished. He is muted. He's basically sent on a nine-month silent retreat. He's going to lose his voice, not be able to talk for for nine months here uh, as he contemplates the, the angel's message to him. But if you look at Mary, the angel goes to Mary and gives this miraculous announcement, you're going to conceive a child as a virgin. And Mary, like Zechariah, asks a question. How can this be, since I do not know man? Mary doesn't get punished. Mary doesn't get silenced. She gets more revelation, more information, and then she gives her great fiat, and she's celebrated as this great disciple. Well, what happened here? Why does the angel punish Zechariah, but not Mary? They both ask a question. Do do angels play favorites? Angels like women better than men, maybe. Is that what's going on here? (laughs) You know, what's happening here is that Zechariah's question is not merely a question. Mary's is. Mary's is a question of clarification. Mary's saying, okay, I'm a virgin. Virgins don't have children. You know, that's just not what what happens. So uh, how can this be? That's what Mary says. How can this be since I do not know man? I don't have sexual relations with man. How can that be? Well, Zechariah is not asking a question of clarification. He he doesn't say, how can this be? He says, how shall I know this? In other words, how can I believe this? This is crazy. How can I believe this? You know, I'm old and my wife is advanced in years. You know, Zechariah doubts. And, And Zechariah should know better. Every Jewish man, and especially a Jewish priest, knows the stories of the Old Testament. They, they, they should know that, that God has intervened in the past with people who've been old, people who've been barren for many, many years. He's intervened and done the miraculous. God's actually done that one before. I mean, someone could probably understand if Mary didn't have faith, <laughs> you know, if Mary doubted. I mean, she didn't. She had perfect faith. But you kind of understand, you know, virgins having children, that just, how does that work? You know, you don't understand that. What God was asking of Mary is so much bigger than what God was asking of Zechariah. God's actually done this miracle before. Abraham and Sarah in their old age, never had any children. Finally, in their old age, God blesses them with a child. Hannah, for many, many years, longing to have a child, And then finally, God intervenes miraculously and she conceives. God's done that miracle before. He's never done a virginal conception until Mary. But Zechariah's, the miracle that the angel's telling him has been done before. He should know better. He doubted. And that's why he's punished. There's a big difference between doubting. How should I know this? How shall I believe this? And having a question. Okay, how can this be? I don't know man. I trust God. I, I just trying to understand how this will work out. I think about the difference between Peter and Judas at the end of John chapter six. Oh, this really shows the difference between difficulties and doubts. 
you know, uh, let me bring you into that story. If you remember in John chapter six, Jesus performs his greatest miracle to date. He multiplies the loaves and fishes. He feeds 5,000 people. And at the end of that scene, uh, in, in chat, John chapter six, verses 14 and 15, the people are amazed. I mean, just picture 5,000 people witnessing this amazing miracle. And they say, this indeed is the prophet who is to come. He's the one that the prophets foretold. And, and they say, he, he, let's make him king. They want to carry him off and make him king. You know, this is, this is the high point in Jesus's ministry in the gospel of John. He's got the people in the palm of his hand. And then the next day he says something that sends his public approval ratings plummeting. He says something that makes those same people who loved him and praised him and wanted to carry him off as king. Those same people are going to hate him. They're going to be so frustrated with him. They are going to leave him. They're going to abandon him. Even some of Jesus's own disciples are going to leave him. And what is it that Jesus said? What did he teach? He taught about the Eucharist. In John chapter 6, he goes on to talk about how you have to eat his flesh and drink his blood, or you will have no life in you. And, And the Jews are astonished at this. They even say, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? What is this all about? They're angry at him. And Jesus continues to teach it with greater and greater clarity. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. For my flesh is food indeed. My blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. He gets really clear in this language. And then in verse 60, John chapter 6, verse 60, even some of the disciples become bewildered. They're just wondering, he's giving us his flesh to eat? What is he talking about? This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And in verse 66, many of his own disciples who've been following him for a year or two, been following him as disciples, they walk away and Jesus lets them go because he knows how important the gift of the Eucharist is for our salvation. He lets his own disciples go, a whole large group of them. And then he turns to the 12 apostles and he says to them in verse 67, he says, will you also go away? And I love Simon's response here. Notice Simon's response. Simon doesn't come back and say, oh, Jesus, no, we understand. We get it. It makes perfect sense. The Eucharist, I get it, transubstantiation. <laughs> no, Peter does not understand. He's as bewildered as everyone else was that day. He doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about. Listen to his words. He says, uh, Lord, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed, and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter's basically saying, Jesus, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I trust you but I trust you. We have come, we've seen you. We've come to believe in you. We know you are the Holy One of God and that's all that matters. We trust you. And so even though we may not understand what this really means, we trust you. And we trust you'll show us. We trust that you'll help us to understand in due time but we trust you. Peter approaches Jesus with this fundamental disposition of trust. That's very different than Judas that day. Listen to what Jesus goes on to say about Judas. In verse 70, Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the 12, 
and one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was to betray him. This is the first time we read about Judas betraying Jesus, that Judas is the one who will do the betrayal. This is one year uh, before the betrayal actually takes place. This is during Passover, uh, this bread of life discourse. And there's going to be one more Passover when Jesus goes to Jerusalem. And that's going to be when he celebrates the Last Supper and dies. So picture this one year before he institutes the Eucharist. He gives the bread of life discourse. The people leave him. And it tells us that Judas is being singled out here. Jesus is pointing to how Judas is going to betray him. That's why many people like Fulton Sheen and others have seen that the seeds of doubt, the seeds of Judas's uh, betrayal are sown right here in his doubt about the teaching of the Eucharist. Think about this. We know from Judas, his last name is Iscariot, you know, or he's the son of Iscariot. It tells us something, you know, a lot of people point out that the word Iscariot is similar to the, the word Sakari, which was one of the names for one of the uh, revolt movements, the Sakari, the dagger men, uh, if you will. So people speculate that Judas likely seems to be maybe having these sympathies for uh, the revolt movements. And if if he was there in those 48 hours in John chapter 6 and watched Jesus multiply the loaves and the people wanting him to be king, I mean, Judas and all the apostles are probably excited, right? Oh, this is our moment. You know, our movement has been growing and taking off, but now we have arrived. The people believe in Jesus. They want him to be king. He's going to be our Messiah. Now we can fight off those Romans and begin the revolution. That's probably what Judas was thinking. But then the next day, Judas was so frustrated with Jesus because Jesus had to teach about the Eucharist. Judas is probably wondering, why did you have to teach that? That's a hard teaching. That's an unpopular teaching, Jesus. Why are you teaching unpopular things? Why are you teaching things that are going to challenge the people? Don't do that. You're, you're, you're going you're gonna to lose them. Now we lost all the crowds and we lost even many of our disciples. Judas is frustrated because this teaching on the Eucharist did not fit into his plan. He's frustrated that the movement is now seemingly starting to, to lose its momentum. Judas approaches with his own framework on Jesus. He has his own plans for Jesus and faith. And what Jesus did that day is teaching on the Eucharist frustrated him. It didn't fit into his plans. Peter, however, approached Jesus with trust. How about you? Do you trust Jesus? Think about all the teachings of the church. I'm sure there's something out there that maybe you have questions about, you wonder about, but do you, do you have that heart of trust do you, cultivate that, do you cultivate that heart of trust in your children? Think about your brother, your sister, your friend, your coworker. Do they have a heart of trust? That's what I want to talk about here. I'm going to go practical now. I'm going to leave you with a few, a few practical points. First, first of all, just be assured that if you do have questions or your friends have questions, don't panic. It's good when a mind is actually thinking. It's when someone's indifferent. They're just ambivalent. They don't really care that it's really hard for that soul to move <laughs> closer to God because they're not, they're not thinking about things. They're not, they're not being thoughtful about life, and it's going to be a lot harder for them to have a conversion. So if people actually are, are having questions, they're raising questions, that's a good thing. God gave us a mind. He wants us to use it. Uh, and if you have questions, know that you are, you know, that, that as long as it doesn't fall into doubt like Judas 
where you think you know better <laughs> than Jesus or you know better than than the Catholic Church's official teachings, you know, if you have questions, you, you stand in the footsteps of St. John the Baptist. He had questions when things were hard. And he's wondering, why is this happening in my life? Why did my life turn out this way? Why am I facing this darkness, this suffering? John the Baptist had questions and he took them to Jesus. It was okay to do that. Peter had questions. He took them to Jesus. Mary had questions. She took her question to the angel Gabriel. St. John Henry Newman had questions. 10,000 difficulties don't add up to a single doubt. But we take those questions to Jesus. Another point, we have to approach this with humility. Humility and trust like Peter you know, I think about this in my own life. I remember I had, you know, in my young adult years, I, I had many questions, questions from my Protestant friends. And, and those were really good questions. And they rattled me and I go, yeah, why do we teach that? Where is that in the Bible? And I would have questions about Mary and confession and purgatory and the papacy and the mass and all these things. But I, I had a lot of secular friends and tons of questions around, you know, the church's teachings on sexuality, especially, and, and moral relativism and all that. And uh, I had a lot of questions questions, but I'm thankful that God put good people in my life. And I remember uh, at a certain point as I, as I was thinking about it, I thought, man, you know, there's a lot of holier, wiser people than me, a lot smarter than me that have thought about these questions. I, I started to learn about people like the great St. Augustine, <laughs> you know, what an incredible intellect he was. And then the doctor, the angelic doctor, St. Thomas Aquinas, and every time I came across Aquinas and was reading him and understanding him, it just blew my mind away. I just thought, man, these are people that have thought about truth. They've thought about life. They've thought about God much more than I have. And then my own heroes in my own life, people like St. John Paul II, St. Mother Teresa, these people are wiser, smarter, holier than me. I trust that if you know they, tr- they followed the church's teachings on homosexuality. They followed the church's teachings on contraception. (laughs) You know, they're a lot smarter than me and they're certainly a lot closer to Jesus than me that they probably see something that maybe I don't. (laughs) You know, I I think we should approach with that kind of humility. It's when we start having more of an arrogant approach where we think, I know better than Jesus. I'm smarter than Jesus. I'm smarter than Aquinas and Augustine. I am so much smarter than, than the Catholic church. That's, that's when we fall into kind of a, a pride that, that is leading to doubt, it, it, where I, I trust my own intellect more than I trust God's revelation. That's doubt. And it, it's quite, you know, it, it's, it's quite a silly kind of doubt <laughs> to think, you know, that I, I don't trust my creator. You know, I trust myself more than my creator. I trust myself more than I trust my savior. So it's kind of silly doubt, but that's, but it, there is a kind of arrogance, you know, think about what, this is what Lucifer did. This is what Lucifer wants to cultivate in our hearts. He was a, an angelic being made by God. And he said, I will not serve. He wanted to rebel against his creator. I mean, that's just crazy. It doesn't make any sense, but that's what pride leads to. Let's approach these questions with great humility and trust Trusting, you know, if other holier people have thought about this, wiser people, much smarter than me, and they've reached these conclusions that I'm probably not seeing something. I need to have that disposition of humility. Secondly, pray, talk to God about it. 
Tell God, God, I don't get this thing. Uh, help me to understand. Help me to see. Help me to trust more. Talk to God about that. God loves it when we come in humility and we come with, uh, we come to Him with our needs. We come to Him honestly, admitting, "Hey, we struggle with something. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to adoration. Spend time in the adoration chapel talking to God about it." Finally, seek understanding. That's what theology is. A classic definition of theology from Saint Anselm is faith seeking understanding. So read official church teaching. You know, fill your mind with what the church actually teaches. Don't just read what the secular media teaches about what the Catholic Church teaches. <laughs> you know, that's what many people do. They watch some documentary on PBS or the History Channel, or they read some some article in the New York Times. They say, "Oh, that's what the church teaches now. The church changed its teachings." Do you trust the media really <laughs> that much? You know, no, trust the church. Jesus gave us the church, and the church gave us the catechism of the Catholic Church. Read the catechism. Look up what the catechism actually teaches. Read official church teaching. Read things like uh, official encyclicals. Uh, Those things are helpful. Don't read like just some blog article or or watch a YouTube video. Uh, And certainly don't allow yourself to be, be formed by what the secular media says. Read reliable sources. When you do look at Catholic sources, uh, read reliable ones, uh, ones that are faithful. Ask reliable, faithful teachers, priests, those that you can trust. Hope this is helpful, my friends. Thanks so much for listening. Any questions, you can always reach out to me, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or on my website, edwardsri.com. That's edwardsri.com. <laughs>